0: Welcome, you're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. Well, if you would stand for a moment, we are back in our series called The Eternal Kind of Life. This is our fourth week. I won't go over everything or try to summarize everything we've covered so far, but one thing I have mentioned several times is how important this series is to... uh, In terms of our church going back 20 some years ago, big things happened around concepts like this and how important this is to me just personally for a whole host of reasons. So we continue today. I'm going to be reading from John chapter one and I'm going to read verses 35 through 42. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. I absolutely love this story there's a whole bunch we could get after in this but today we're thinking about the life changing question Jesus asked these two disciples and the same question he asks us what do you want so before we dive too deep into this I just encourage you to let that question kind of sit in the front of your mind what do you want what are you looking for some of you might be familiar with a well-known poem called Footprints in the Sand. It's often superimposed over a picture of a beach where there's only one set of footprints in the sand. God carries us when we are hurting, as the poem says, which is why at certain times in our lives, instead of there being four sets of or four footprints in the sand, there's only two because God is carrying us. It's a nice little poem for those who are into that sort of thing, but some years ago, a creative, and I would imagine rather spicy soul, modified the poem ever so slightly, and maybe some of you have heard this version as well, it goes like this, one night I had a wondrous dream, one set of footprints there was seen, the footprints of my precious Lord, but mine were not along the shore, but then some stranger prints appeared, and I asked the Lord, what have we here? Those prints are large and round and neat, but Lord, they are too big for feet. My child, he said in somber tones, for miles I carried you alone. I challenged you to walk in faith, but you refused and made me wait. You disobeyed, you would not grow the walk of faith, you would not know. So I got tired, I got fed up, and there I dropped you on your butt. (laughs) Because in life there comes a time when one must fight and one must climb. When one must rise and take a stand or leave their butt prints in the sand. (laughs) Now, probably not theologically precise. But this is obviously about people of faith whose character, whose inner life over time does not change. They do not grow. If we want to get down into a little more detail, we could say this is about Christians who, for example, argue and fight with their spouse or their kids or their co-workers exactly how they would argue or fight if they weren't Christian. Minus a swear word or two, maybe. Christians in whom Jesus has made little to no real, authentic, measurable difference. There's just not been much authentic change. As I mentioned, we're in week four of our uh, series where we have been talking about the eternal kind of life that Jesus invites us to live right now. Eternal living as a quality of life, not just a quantity of life. And today we're focusing on our desire, our want to or lack thereof. To be Jesus' disciple in the particulars of our lives and character. Jesus' apprentice in eternal living. I like this word, apprentice. I'm going to use it over the word disciple today. My daughter Izzy is dating a plumber. His name is Brody. And just as a side note, it's not a bad deal to have a plumber around the house who's trying to impress me. Certain things happen that I need to have happen. I kind of like it. Now, if a pipe is leaking in my house and I stand over this leaky pipe and I look at my WWBD bracelet, what would Brody do? And I ask myself that question, let's see, what would Brody do? It does me absolutely no good because I can't do what Brody would do because I've never trained as a plumber. But someday, maybe after this current, current gig gets boring, if I decide I want to learn plumbing, I could actually become Brody's apprentice. Spend time with him. Watch him. Learn from him. And learn to be like him. And someday, I might be able to stand over a leaking pipe and actually know what to do. Similarly, an apprentice of Jesus is someone who has decided they want to learn how to live the Jesus way. So they become his apprentice. Again, disciple, apprentice, same thing. And because they've become his apprentice, they spend time with him. They watch him. They learn from him. And they learn to gradually be like him. They're engaged in a lengthy process of gradually taking on His character. This process is orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit directs and leads, our part is to follow and cooperate. And this apprenticeship happens down in the dirt of our real lives. This is not theoretical. This is not ivory tower stuff. The question Jesus is asking us today is, what do we want? Why are we hanging around him? Do we desire to be his apprentice in the eternal living trade? And if authentic growth is going to happen, I would suggest we have to wrestle with this question over and over and over again. What do we want? So let's talk about this idea of being invited to apprenticeship. Does the Bible or the gospel invite us to become Christians Or do they invite us to become apprentices of Jesus? Or are they the same thing? They might technically be the same thing on paper, but it seems to me they aren't the same thing in practice. The word Christian, used only three times in the New Testament, often it seems to me hangs on us like a label or maybe a name tag. It's often static and kind of fixed and not all that influential, In how we actually live. But the word disciple or our word today apprentice is dynamic. It's fluid. It is used countless times in the New Testament. Jesus often says things like if you want to be my disciple then. The great commission many of us are familiar with. Matthew 28 and verse 19 says go and make Christians of all nations. Or is it disciples of all nations? Apprentices of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. In our reading from John chapter 1, two of John the Baptist's disciples, one named Andrew, are literally walking behind Jesus down a road. So in one sense, they are following him. And that is the vocation of a disciple or apprentice. But Jesus turns around and asks What do you want? They were intrigued enough to linger near Jesus. Something had stirred in them to sort of keep an eye on him. And I absolutely love this. And that was enough faith for Jesus to engage. I'm intrigued by this. I'm encouraged by this. They didn't know who he was. They didn't know what he was all about. They didn't get it, as we might say. Still, something stirred in them. And so Jesus asks this question for their sake, not his. What do you want? And it is a haunting question just to sit with. What do you want? They don't know what they want. They're trying to sort out what they want. So they return a question in response. Well, where are you staying? And Jesus says, come and you will see. He invites them, come and see. And Jesus often invites Apprentices by simply saying things like this, come and see, come and follow, come and be with, come and watch, come and learn. So there's this dynamic process in play. We're going somewhere with Jesus and something is going to happen. You may recall from the reading that after this all goes down, they spend a, the rest of the day with Jesus. And when that's done, they know who he is. And Andrew runs off and gets his brother Simon and he brings Simon to Jesus. And I absolutely love this. Jesus looks at Simon and he says, you know what? Your name is going to now be Rocky is what Peter means. Rock. I'm going to change your name. Your name's going to be Rocky. But what do we know about Peter? Peter was anything. But a rock when Jesus changed his name to Rocky. So the implication is we're going to go somewhere together and you will eventually have the inner character that will allow you to live into and out of the name I'm giving you now. You will be a rock. See, being a Christian, it seems to me, often gets reduced to a one-time decision. We make at some point in life, or we better make before we die. Apprenticeship to Jesus is an ongoing decision we make all throughout our lives. Will we choose apprenticeship to Jesus in this particular situation, in this conflict at work, in this difficult relationship we're in? Do we want to be his apprentice? Will we follow his way? Being a Christian often seems like it is about trusting Jesus for a few of the fringe benefits he offers, forgiveness, heaven, maybe a sprinkle or two of morality. But being apprentice is about trusting Jesus, period. And the Bible and the gospel, I would suggest to you, invite us to become apprentices to Jesus in the trade of eternal living. Now, for the Bible to actually leave its mark on us and not just go in one ear and out the other, it is sometimes helpful to, it's helpful to insert ourselves into the story. So let's try it. You and I are walking behind Jesus, munching on a bag of chili cheese Fritos. Those are good, by the way. Brody loves chili cheese Fritos. We're kind of walking along and we're somewhat intrigued by the guy ahead of us. Curious. Curious about what's been said by him and what's been said about him. Curious, but not completely convinced. So we keep a comfortable distance so we know where he's going, but we're not right up on his heels. And then he turns around and he asks you and he asks me, what do you want? His question is existential, and we know this even if we don't know what existential even means. We know he's asking us, what are you actually about? What desire drives your life? What is being human all about, according to you? See, in that moment, these two weren't thinking, nor would we be, about their life after death. His question had them thinking about their current life and desires and relationships and pursuits. Now, I like it when Jesus asks you the question. I keep eating the Cheetos. And I kind of sort of turn and nod my head and sort of wave at you and look at you to give an answer. But I don't like it as much when Jesus turns, looks me in the eye, and asks me the question, What do I want? What drives me? Just for fun and games and to kind of bring some things to the surface that might need to come to the surface, what tone do you hear in Jesus' voice when he asks... What do you want? Is it demanding, accusing? See, angry at you? Can you tell by his tone he's disappointed? What expression do you see on his face? Is it inviting, or is it shaming? These are important questions because how you answer them will explain your desire to be Jesus' apprentice or your lack of desire. Most of us have enough thumbs down in our lives. And if God is yet another disappointed voice, we might tip our hat to him out of respect. But we are certainly not going to follow him. We don't want to be his apprentice. We are, in fact, going to avoid him. This whole scene in John chapter 1 points to a major hurdle many of us face. And some of us are facing now and have faced for a long time in our Christian experience. Maybe this is the biggest hurdle we face. It is the widely held misguided belief that our faith in God does not have much to say about our everyday lives. I mean, let's just say it out loud. Many claim to be Christian, but the Christian part doesn't shape how they think or choose or handle the situations of everyday life. The Christian part isn't much of a factor in the real stuff of their life, like arguments or work conflicts or financial decisions or retirement options. Well, apprentices of Jesus are those who desire to do their everyday lives with Jesus. Jesus. So the Apprentice Creed goes something like this. I'm learning to live my actual life with all of its possibilities and problems the way Jesus would if he were me. This is ultimately what being Christian means. It's not religious. It's not compartmentalized. It's not a Sunday thing. And it's definitely not a Bible-in-the-brain information thing. It's actually a life thing an apprentice with Jesus in the trade of eternal living. This apprenticeship, clunky, slow, sometimes difficult, backward, forwards, gradually shapes our responses and attitudes and approaches to our everyday lives. And a key part of this is our attentiveness to God in the ordinary happenings of everyday life. See, we don't just live on autopilot and deal with life in the moments as they come to us and just let ourselves react the way we want to react. Rather, we think about Jesus' perspective in a given situation. We, in the words of Colossians, set our hearts and our minds on things above so that we live differently in the matter of things below. We seek to follow the kingdom way at 10.43 a.m. on a Thursday. Purposeful. Intentional. We're not just carried along. We're actually choosing to be an apprentice. And the question again from today is, do we desire this? Do we want this? Do we want to be Jesus' apprentices? Paul says in Galatians 4:19, "My dear children for whom I am again in the pains of t- childbirth until Christ is formed in you." Again, get yourself in the story and hear that word as being a word to you, "Until Christ is formed in you." Apprenticeship is the process of Christ being formed in us, his character, his approach, his thoughts. Apprenticeship is not about trying to act like Brody on the spot or in crunch time. It's about becoming like Brody so we can routinely do what Brody does. Jesus didn't try to love his enemies. When he said, pray for your enemies, Jesus wasn't gritting his teeth, rifling through the Rolodex of his enemies in his mind, going, I know I'm supposed to say this, but I really don't want to, but pray for your enemies. He didn't try hard to forgive those rotten souls who crucified him. He didn't muscle up on these things. Rather, love and grace and forgiveness was his default. If he could do anything he wanted to do in response to the worst attack, Jesus would respond with love and forgiveness because Jesus knew that love and forgiveness and grace is the absolute best way to live one's life. Do we want his life, and do we want his character to be our life and character? Let's talk for a minute about apprenticeship in the details. Apprentices are learning to be like Jesus in those settings that at first glance appear to have nothing to do with Jesus, but at second glance have everything to do with Jesus. Dallas Willard writes, In the New Testament, discipleship means... Being an apprentice of Jesus in our daily existence. A disciple then is simply someone who has decided to be with another person in order to become what that person is or to become capable of doing what that person does. What does Jesus do that I can be discipled to do? The longer I am a Christian, the more I realize the big things in life are the little things. The details matter. I am formed by how I handle the details, and how I handle the details indicates how I've been formed. Who I am shows up, for example, when I drive a car. And Jesus invites me, believe it or not, to be his apprentice so I learn to drive a car the way he would drive a car if he were driving a car. And if I am his apprentice, over time, someone different than the current version of me will be driving my car. Now, how that happens is getting into next week. Today, the question is, do I want that? Do I desire that? A few months ago, I got a notice from my doctor that they wanted to check something out, but couldn't get to it for a few weeks. They saw something, but they couldn't get to it for three weeks. Oh, no problem. I'll just keep doing my life without thinking about that. Thanks for sharing. Well, those few weeks were an invitation to apprenticeship. Purposeful apprenticeship in the detail of an uncertain health thing. How do I follow Jesus in that? Do I even care to? Or i just handle it the way I would handle it if there was no Jesus in my life. This is down in the dirt, my friends. A wise spiritual leader once said, There is no problem in human life that apprenticeship to Jesus cannot solve. Now that'll get you to sit down in a hurry. When I first read this, I just waved the white flag, done, out, way beyond my experience. There is no problem in human life that apprenticeship to Jesus cannot solve. Survey the handful of problems in your life right now and hear those words again. There is no problem in human life that apprenticeship to Jesus cannot solve. Now think about it. It sort of starts to make sense. If we trust that Jesus is king over all, and if we're doing our best to follow him and let his spirit rewire and reorient us, what problem would be too much to handle? Life deals with many problems. Many of them are exceedingly hard. But if Jesus is more than a dispenser of fringe benefits, if he is king over all and beyond all and above all, and I have, week two, my confidence in him, and I am, best I can, seeking to follow him, what problem could he not solve, handle, shrink, put into perspective, or sustain us through. Let's keep digging at this. If our daily routine involves caring for children at home, in our job, just think about that very extraordinary calling. Our daily routine involves caring for children. Here's the question. Does Jesus have something to say about that? Does Jesus know how to care for children better than we do? Can Jesus help us do that better than we can do it in our own power and strength? This is where the rubber of apprenticeship meets the road of real life. Do we desire to be an apprentice of Jesus when our child or parent or friend or spouse offends or criticizes us? Does our apprenticeship to Jesus shape how we react to those who vote differently than we do? How does our apprenticeship to Jesus influence our response to Tyree Nichols' murder in Memphis? Hear me again. How does our apprenticeship to Jesus influence our response to this killing? Here's something. Whatever makes us feel defensive is an invitation to apprenticeship to Jesus because defensiveness is a signal we are choosing to be an apprentice of self. The details really matter. So, some of the details. Anger. Lust. Worry. Fear. Abortion. Transgenderism. Sex outside of marriage. Gun rights. Money. Decisions about retirement. Homosexuality. Heterosexuality. Broken marriages, broken sexuality, racism, workplace conflicts, wounds from our past, the matter of forgiveness or unforgiveness. Every single one of them matters because Jesus is Lord. And we could go on and on and on. Apprenticeship to Jesus has something to say about every one of these details. Not necessarily a clear-cut answer in each case, but we are invited to be Jesus' apprentices in front of every one of these important issues. And if we are a Christian, if we are a follower of Jesus, then apprenticeship to Jesus in front of every one of these important issues is the single most important shaper of how we stand in front of issues how we think about these things respond to these things and respond to those who think and respond different than we do on these things is a matter of apprenticeship to Jesus and obviously this is a process it's slow it's clunky it's messy back forth forward backward I get it but that brings me to the last thing because it's slow and clunky and a process is why we need a community of apprentices to journey with when we choose to live as Jesus's apprentice. And again, it's an ongoing choice, but it doesn't take too long before we discover aspects of our character, where it is hard for us to follow in the way of Jesus. You've seen this happen. Certain things, for whatever reason, we can see the barriers within. We can see the blockages Within us that resist the Jesus way, there are many reasons for this, but it happens, and it happens to every one of us. Uh, we desire apprenticeship to Jesus, but we run into unexpected issues and burdens and past narratives and old habits, and we get stuck. I was in a couple meetings this past week, and I'll just tell you this is true confession. In the meeting, people are talking, and all sorts of judgments and anger and contempt aimed directly at some of the people I was in the meeting with just spiked within me. I mean, I felt it happening. I literally could see it happening. It started in the bottom of my left foot, and it just crawled its way all the way up and through my being. Judgment, anger, contempt, dismissiveness, and some measure of I can't stand you. There are reasons why this all stirred, and I don't understand the reason. But before I could turn away, it had happened, and it ate me up. And you know something? I realized after the fact, and have realized ever since, it's not the good life. It's not that I shouldn't do that because it's wrong or because it's a sin, which it undoubtedly is, but that's not why I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't do it because it's not the good life. I've got to become somebody. I want to become somebody, or at least I want to want to become somebody, where that doesn't happen. And when it does happen, I turn away and turn toward King Jesus. I didn't come away from that going, boy, I feel such joy having just judged the heck out of that guy. I mean, that is the way to live. That is fulfilling That is absolutely the peaceful, good life Jesus had in mind when he said, come follow me, not. And I need my spiritual leaders to help me with this, to ask me questions, to peel back the layers so I can grow in this because there's all kinds of old junk that just rumbles within like a dishwasher. On and on and on and on. But the stuff doesn't get clean. So I have growth in this. I need my spiritual leader's help. To remember that actually matters. In your discipleship to Jesus. You don't just push that aside. And go, Oh well. That was judgmental. Something's happening deep within my soul. And Jesus wants to get his hands on it. And remake it. question is will I let him do it? What do I want? You know, some of this, I'll wrap up here, but some of this is the reason why at Oak Hills we are continuing to want to find ways for you to take steps out of solo and into community, out of I'm doing this on my own and into settings where there is a community of apprentices who are seeking to live this out. You've heard it mentioned the last couple of weeks, and Matt, you can put this up on the screen, but the last few weeks, you've heard it talked about this refocus retreat, and the byline is the key. Letting go of false self to embrace true self. That is what we're talking about today. Letting go of being an apprentice to me and learning how to be an apprentice to Jesus. So if you are part of Oak Hills, you're hearing some of these things that we're talking about, and something is flickering within you, something saying, man, I'd like to move toward that. Maybe not all the way, but a little bit of the way. This is a great opportunity. It's February 3rd and 4th. It's right here. You can register online. Here's the thing that's encouraging. 37 of you already have. And that is a really good thing to be able to say, I want to walk toward this and learn more about this. There's room for many more. I would encourage you to sign up you will be engaged in a community of apprentices who want to grow just by going to these couple days. You're not signing your life away, but you will be with others on this journey. I want to ask you to close your eyes as we enter into a time of response to all of this. We've been doing this throughout this series, and quite frankly, the things I say, probably half of it you can toss in the garbage, but this time, these moments, these next 10 minutes are really an opportunity for you to do some business with Jesus. And I don't mean do business like he's going to sit you down and scold you and tell you you're on time out and all that. I, I don't mean that. I mean an opportunity for you to be with him. To just kind of be in his presence. And maybe to hear his question, what do you want? Maybe sink it down a notch or more. Where does Jesus want to form you to be more like him maybe something is sitting there a relationship a character issue a sin we keep falling into maybe one of the issues mentioned in the sermon on the mount anger lust deceit revenge pride greed control Maybe a virtue, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Maybe an attitude about one of the things we mentioned earlier, the tough stuff that is in our world and your attitude there. I believe it to be true, not necessarily because I've read it somewhere, but I've watched this unfold in my clunky back and forth Christian experience for a long time. Every now and then the spirit of God gently puts his finger on something and says, Hey, what do you say we delve into this? I can sit back forever and say, Oh man, I've got so much that needs to change. That's really often an excuse to not change anything. It feels good to say I've got a long way to go. But that doesn't really ever get us too far down that road. Every now and then, the Spirit of God puts his gentle finger on something and says, What do you say we take a look at this? How about in this arena, you invite me to teach you how to navigate, how to handle it, how to grow. Just give you some time to think on this, to be in prayer about this, to be specific on this. Where is he inviting you to be his apprentice? There are stations behind your sections where there are pieces of paper, and this prompt is there. Where is he inviting you to be his apprentice? You might want to jot a thing or two down. You'll notice up to your left, up front, there are kneelers, and there are chairs, and those things are there because they are pointing at that cross that's hanging up above. And sometimes it's good to get up, to move, to let our bodies get involved in this, and to move forward and spend some time in prayer and reflection with the cross in view as the Spirit continues to work have an opportunity to worship during this time to reflect, but I just want to invite us to take these 10 minutes to be with Jesus and let the Spirit speak and do what he would do. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will be kind to us in these minutes and clear that we might hear you and that we might follow you. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.